Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, May 18, 2022. It's 11.45 in the morning. My guest is the former Marine and intelligence professional, Scott Ritter, who has been judging freedom's go-to guy and remains judging freedom's go-to guy for in intelligence and military analysis of the military activities in Ukraine between the Ukrainian forces uh, and the Russian forces. Scott is also the guest that produces the most viewers, which every time is on, he has been on has exceeded 100,000. My thanks to you for following us. And Scott, my thanks to you for being here as always. Welcome to Judging Freedom. Thanks for having me. So this morning when I woke up and before I had a cup of espresso and after I said my morning rosary, I turned to lourockwell.com, which is the w website that I visit every day and which ca carries my column on Thursdays. And I see the lead story saying, Scott Ritter, switcheroo. And I thought, well, it's got to be some sort of a joke. And it's quoting you with a substantially different analysis of the chances of the uh, Ukrainian forces effectively resisting Russian forces than has been the analysis that I've heard you articulate on this show. Is that a fair summary of what I read? And we sent it to you, so you read it as well. That's a fair summary of uh, the author's um, assessment and take. Yeah. Okay. So have you changed your view? Has information or intelligence um, or awareness of military uh, data come to you, which causes you to look at the Ukraine-Russian conflagration in a different way than you've articulated on this show before today? You know, one of the first things you learn in the military, especially um, – military intelligence is, uh, A, no plan survives initial contact with the enemy. Uh, B, no plan survives contact with the enemy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, if, you, if you get married to a course of action, you're, 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 you're going to be defeated. Uh, things change. Um, let, me, let me make it clear right off the stop. Russia is winning the war on the ground. Nothing's changed. Uh, we see that today with the surrender of hundreds of uh, of personnel from uh, as of stall we see that with the ongoing special military operation on the ground uh where russia is grinding away at the uh, ukrainian forces they've already achieved uh, an important uh pocket in the severed donetsk uh, surrounding hundreds if not thousands of ukrainian soldiers uh and and their victory uh in the donbass region is inevitable there's nothing that's going to happen that changes that but when Russia started the special military operation, you know, they had two primary uh, military objectives and one political objective, a very important political objective that had two parts. 
the, the primary military objectives were denazification. We see that taking place in, in Mariupol. Uh, they've destroyed the Azov regiment. They're in the process of destroying other uh, far right-wing neo-Nazi uh, neo uh, ultranationalist uh, military units. So this is a ongoing success. Demilitarization was another one. This meant destroying the that aspect of the Ukrainian military that had been um, turned into a proxy of NATO. And they are succeeding in this as we speak in eastern Ukraine. Um, but there's there was also the important political aspect, which was one um, permanent neutrality on the part of uh, of Ukraine, that Ukraine could never join NATO, never consider joining NATO and be uh, neutral in perpetuity. Um, and two, uh, to transform the special military operation into a, a an event that changed the outlook of NATO so that it would accept a new European security framework along the lines which Russia had transmitted to the West in December of last year. Now, when this conflict first started, um, the United States had been providing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of military aid, including lethal aid to the Ukrainians, primarily in the form of Javelin uh, anti-tank rockets. The British provided their own and, and, uh, and, and so did other NATO uh, members. Uh, but these light weapons were not sufficient to change uh, the 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 nature of the battle. Um, but since then, things have changed. Since the last time we spoke, <laughs> President Biden, um, you know, is 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 signed into uh, into law a, a new lend lease act that opens the door for tens of billions of dollars worth of military aid. Right now, uh, in in Congress, there's a forty billion dollar military aid package. Now we're talking um, sums that equal the amount of money Russia spends on the totalitary, uh, to the totality of its military uh, budget in one year. Uh, and uh, Richard, let me just stop you the to, the, to make sure I understand this correctly, Scott. The $40 billion aid package, the one that Rand Paul tried to stop and 11 Republican senators voted against and the President Biden has since signed into law. That $40 billion alone, which when added to what we've already sent, comes to $53 billion. The $40 billion alone to aid Ukraine is more than Russia spends all year on its entire military? Yeah. Fit the, fit, when, you, when you add the $40 billion with the other thing, we get the $53 billion figure. That's, right, more than right. what, that's more than Russia spends in an entire year on its entire military. Now, if you okay. don't think that that alters the reality somewhat. And what it does, and, it, and it's that combined with another thing that occurred, which is that in Poland and in Germany, as we speak, thousands of Ukrainian soldiers are at American and Polish military bases being trained on high-tech equipment. Now, normally, in a kind time of war, uh, those, those kind of locations would be targeted and bombed and destroyed and disrupted, but they're not. NATO has created a strategic depth to this, to, to this conflict that didn't exist when this conflict started. Is Russia unaware of the location of the stockpiles of equipment and where American troops or, or American human beings, I don't know if they're soldiers or not, uh, are training Ukrainians? They're aware of what's going on in Poland. They're aware of go what's going on in Germany. Absolutely. But it would be an attack against NATO 
that would trigger Article 5, uh, collective self-defense. So Russia is not going to take that step. The other thing is, you know, one would say, okay, that's fine. But then Russia could interdict this equipment as it comes in. And I think I and others anticipated that Russia would have a greater success rate of interdiction based upon earlier performance. And, you know, but I was as surprised as anybody to find that um, complete batteries of the M777 howitzers were appearing on the front lines and being employed against Russian troops. Now, it doesn't change the outcome of the fight, but it changes the political nuance of what we're talking about here, because you can't demilitarize an enemy that is reconstituting forces as quick as you are destroying them. This elongates the conflict, and it also emboldens Zelensky not to achieve a, a you know, an outcome to this conflict. It, it means that Ukraine will extend this conflict. There won't be the new permanent neutrality that Russia is demanding anytime soon. And it's also emboldening NATO and others to expand NATO. Uh, Finland and Sweden are now applying for membership. This is the exact opposite direction that Russia wanted to take this from a political standpoint. So my argument is that the fundamental reality of this war has changed. You have to recognize that it has changed. It doesn't mean Russia isn't going to win special military operations. They are, as we speak. What it means is that the conflict has gone beyond what it was when the special military operations started. And does Russia have sufficient military force to change that outcome? And All right. I feel well, it is last time, the last two or three times we spoke, and, and I don't know if you accidentally touched your microphone or moved it. Maybe you can get a little closer to your to your sure. face. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. That happens. Uh, the last few times we spoke, uh, you were critical of the American government for supplying material uh, to the Ukraines, which effectively extended the war, resulted in needless death, deaths of Ukrainian civilians and Ukrainian soldiers, because the ultimate outcome would be a Russian victory anyway. Is that a fair summary of what you said, Scott? Yes, and it's my position today. Well, has your position changed? Do, do you say that Joe Biden and the Congress have done something good by the additional $40 billion. Is, no, it going no, they, to cause, is it going to cause Vladimir Putin to pause in his ongoing efforts to capture parts of Ukraine? No, it won't cause any pause on the part of Russia. Russia is committed to victory today as they have been. What it's going to do is expand the scope and scale of this conflict in ways it doesn't need to go. It's going to lengthen the suffering of the Ukrainian people. It's going to, for instance, the longer this war drags on, you know, what is Ukraine noted for besides corruption and Nazis? It's noted for wheat. And, you know, I, I have a garden in my backyard. Every year we grow nice cucumbers and tomatoes. But you know what doesn't happen if I don't plant the seeds and cultivate the ground? They don't grow. What's not happening in Ukraine right now? They are not sowing the wheat. They are not sowing the barley. They are not sowing the corn. They are not sowing the grains that feed not only the people of Ukraine, but much of the world. The longer this conflict goes on, right now, you are permanently disrupting the annual production of crops. You are condemning 
Ukrainian people to starvation. You're condemning people in Africa to starvation. You're condemning people in Europe and the United States to hunger. This is needless suffering. Can the United States, through the provision of billions of dollars of military assistance, elongate this conflict? Yes. Does it change the way that Russia has to respond in order to achieve its political objectives? Yes. Does that make the world a far more dangerous place? Yes. Has Does Russia it lost one-third no. uh, of its troops? No. Its total amount of troops in Ukraine? Is that figure which has been floating around this week correct? No, it's not even close to being correct. Uh, look, Russia suffered the bulk of its casualties early on in the conflict. Um, uh, the Russian government came out and acknowledged suffering close to 1,500 dead and, and, uh, and, 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 and you know, five, 6,000 wounded. Since that time, I would imagine that that, that number probably has doubled, um, maybe tripled at the most. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we're three months into a very uh, serious war. But Russia is the one of the reasons why this combat, this, this conflict is proceeding at the slow pace that it is. It, 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 you hear from a Russian general, this isn't World War II. We're not shouting hurrah and going over the trench line and rushing the Germans. We're going slow. We are pinpointing the enemy's locations. We are bombarding it. We are killing them. And we move on to the next location. All right. Let me, go- let me quote to you from the article in LouRockwell.com. Mm-hmm. Lou didn't write this article. Someone I don't know by the name of Mike Whitney wrote the article. And he quotes you as having said, quote, the military aid the West is providing to Ukraine is changing the dynamic. And if Russia doesn't find a way to address this meaningfully, the conflict will never end. Did you, Scott Ritter, say that? Absolutely. And it's just just, just as true a statement as can be. When you commit 200,000 troops to the task of destroying 260,000 Ukrainian forces backed up by 600,000 reserves, that is a finite thing. You have you, you, you successfully destroyed much of Ukraine's heavy armored forces. You destroyed their petroleum refinery capability. I think I've told you before, when you don't have gas, tanks don't work. Okay. Well, guess, what, guess what's happened since that time? Because of the provision... Ukraine has reconstituted units that had been destroyed. Ukraine has received refined petroleum products from Poland. And unless Russia finds a way to stop this, this conflict will not end because 200,000 troops cannot resolve that problem. One of the other things you told us is that um, equipment breaks down. Mud mud can destroy it. Improper utilization, improper training on how to use it can harm it. Yep. Do the Ukrainians now have the the spare parts and the know-how to repair equipment when it breaks down, something they didn't have a couple of weeks ago when we discussed this last? There is some some effort to train the Ukrainians' equipment, but it's it's not needed because, <laughs> again, with this much money coming in, normally a rational player would say, I'm receiving 200 pieces of equipment I need to be able to maintain it to make it survive. What's happening with Ukraine right now is they're receiving 200 pieces of equipment and it's going to get burned out on the front to be replaced by 200 more pieces of equipment. That's the, the thing that's happening here is that normal military logic is out the window. When you have the United States. Let me read you the next quote. Again, this purports to be from you. 
it was my assessment that it would be very hard for Ukraine to absorb this new equipment and material. But the howitzers are already operating against Russia, and they're having an effect in the Kharkov region. Did you say that? Yeah, because it's the truth. The truth is, I believe that the M77 howitzers coming across the border would have such a substantial footprint that they could be identified, interdicted, and destroyed by Russia before they got to the front line. But the truth is, they're already on the Kharkiv front line, and they have been employed in an artillery barrage that prevented the Russians from crossing, uh, conducting a river crossing. This is the truth. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Again, this purports to be from you, from the article on lourockwell.com. This is why I have radically changed my overall assessment, because I had been operating on the assumption that Russia would be able to interdict the vast majority of this equipment, but Russia has shown itself unable or unwilling to do this, and as a result, the Ukrainians are having a meaningful impact on the battlefield. Did you say that? Yes. It's and the what truth. What do you mean by quote? I have radically changed my overall assessment. Again, the assessment was based upon Russia's ability to close with and destroy Ukrainian heavy forces. And once having accomplished that, there wouldn't be the reconstitution of new heavy forces um, because NATO was not providing heavy equipment. But now that Ukraine is being flooded with equipment, and they're able to train in Germany and Poland, and this equipment is able to make its way into Ukraine, not being interdicted by Russia, that changes the calculus. That means that Russia is fighting a different war today than they were fighting the last time we spoke. Was it right or was it wrong for the United States government to send this $40 billion, with a B, worth of equipment in the past couple of weeks? It's as wrong as it can get because all you're doing is condemning Ukrainians to die. You know those artillery pieces that we talked about having a meaningful impact on Kharkov? Right. You know where they are today? Where? They're, they're blown up. They're destroyed. The Ukrainians operating them are dead. But new artillery pieces are coming in. So it doesn't change the ultimate outcome. Russia okay. will defeat the Ukrainians. What it's doing is prolonging this conflict and complicating any political resolution. Remember, I've said all along, Russia is succeeding militarily, but war is an extension of politics by other means. And right now, it's being made more and more difficult for Russia to accomplish political objectives. That's the issue here. And war is about politics, not about the military victory on the battlefield. If it was about military victory on the battlefield, we would have won the Vietnam War. Has... Putin lost support at home, either amongst the public uh, or amongst his inner circle. Not at all. I mean, one only had to take a look at, you know, every May 9th, there's a Victory Day celebration in Russia celebrating the defeat of Nazi Germany. And um, part of the the Victory Day celebration in recent uh, decades has been what they call the Immortal Regiment. Uh, More than a million people marched in Moscow holding the the portraits of... uh, of their loved ones who sacrificed everything during the great patriotic war. There's been, there's never been more patriotism in Russia. Russia will see this through. Just we're making it far more complicated by providing basically the annual defense budget of Russia in four months period of time to Ukraine. We are complicating Russia's 
military, uh, the, the problem. We are complicating uh, their ability to get the pol- political solution they want, and we're sacrificing tens of thousands of Ukrainian lives. Is this the right way to? Is this the right way to spend U.S. Tax, taxpayer dollars? I don't think so. We'll end at that. I hope you'll come back again, Scott, to give us another weekly report, whether there's a change in information on the ground or a change in the uh, intelligence uh, as you gather it. But as always, deeply grateful for your time with us today. Thanks for having me. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.